a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Argoni, and joining me, as always, the precariously placed turbine to my enormous gas giant, it's John Campbell. Hello, everybody. Oh, man, it's nothing but gas giants this week on the show. It's gas all the way down. Gas all the way down is very true. Um, Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, we pick up from our cliffhanger last week. Yeah, we're we're back into it. We're in the 70s. We're in those smooth 70s, though quickly approaching the 1980s. And who knows how Star Wars, this brand new franchise, will fare in the coming years. I hear the faint sounds of synths on their way in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because yes, we are today. We are covering Star Wars number twenty-six from Marvel Comics Group, uh, the original comic book series that launched in nineteen seventy-seven. But this yes. issue, in particular, came out in August of nineteen seventy-nine. Wow! Uh, and we are still in the siege at Yavin or Seg of Yavin, depending on which issue you're reading. Yeah, I still don't know how that one cleared past <laughs> all those people. They were giant letters, but whatever. Well, let's blame the people who created this thing, because our creative team this issue is fairly similar to what we've had in the past. Uh, We've got Archie Goodwin on writing and editing. We've got Carmine Infantino on pencils. We've got Bob Wyachek on inks. Uh, Petra Goldberg makes an appearance on colors. And John Costanza over on the letters. Indeed. It's, it's, It's the core team, folks. It's the core team, and of course, uh, the looming specter of Jim Shooter uh, lurking in the background. Just going, how, how you guys doing? Asking everyone to draw him with a jerry curl and golden pants. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. A war. But if it was secret? What if it was secret? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, here we go. Boy, I'll tell you this cover, though. Look out, man. There's trouble. Yeah. There. Let's get back. Let's just dive straight in. This cover here, we are looking at the smoldering corpse of R2-D2. One of the most beloved characters of the Star Wars franchise. Well, too bad. He's dead now. (laughs) Look, when the cover proclaims a doom mission, as it has at least a couple of times at this point. They love the word doom in this comic. We had a doom world. Now we have a doom mission. Yeah. No, it's just a matter of time. And we're going uh, to have some Doom cargo later. Uh, maybe oh, I'm sure. Vacation. Doomed uh, love. Yeah. Oh, well, that may very much be the case with uh, some of the romance they're building in this comic. <laughs> Doomed for reasons the writers could not have foreseen. Oh, no. And no. neither did George Lucas when making these movies. I will I will fight forever. This is like, George, you didn't know what the fuck you were doing on that. And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Just admit it, though. I don't know why you have to pretend you did. Right. Because... Yeah, we got Luke Skywalker here uh, in his uh, classic Prince Valiant look. Oh, yeah. Page boy haircut. Infantino loves a uh, Prince Valiant Luke Skywalker. Yeah, 100%. But looking down upon the blasted corpse of R2-D2 with some kind of scuba Steve lurking behind him? 
Yeah, what, who is that guy? <laughs> don't know. He doesn't appear in the rest of the issue, so I couldn't I know, tell you. I, it's so weird that they include him. It's like, I don't know. We better put like a G.I. Joe guy back there. <laughs> he is like a G.I. Joe bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for the glory of Cobra. Um, sorry. Uh, wrong comic. Co- Cobra minion parentheses underwater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that they would always have 18 of on the toy rack where you're like, nobody mm-hmm. wanted that. Right, yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, just because he can only ever uh, fight, uh, oh, what's the the water? Shipwreck? Oh, yeah, yeah. Shipwreck, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I play the constant game when I'm trying to list off these old characters. Like, okay, is it a G.I. Joe, a Transformer, or a Masters of the Universe character? Yeah. And those three no. sort of like slide into each other occasionally. No, no, shipwreck, shipwreck's the Navy-looking guy with the parrot. Okay, good, 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 yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, Shipwreck. Um, oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah. The, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why he's included. The, somebody added that. But, yeah. Oh, no, it's trouble. Kids, your favorite droid is dead. Um, pick up this issue. Look, R2-D2's already been blown up once in this franchise during the trench run, so, like, this isn't exactly unprecedented. He's at it again. (laughs) But how we end up in this circumstance is something this comic will actually address, which is an impressive thing for this comic. This actually will pay off. This is not a, a, you know, a false lead or, you know, false advertising here or whatever. But let's open up this comic because... Uh-oh, we're, we're back to where we were, which is Luke and Leia on the run from TIE Fighters after discovering a secret hidden base on the gas giant of Yavin that had the ability to control weather storms? Or at least the gas on Yavin yeah. itself. Uh, unclear. Yeah. yeah, and I would say this issue didn't clear it up much more for me. No, uh, it wasn't looking to, but it did... I was genuinely worried at a certain point in this comic because it started to look like we were just doing the Death Star again when they started talking about small trenches used to infiltrate an enemy base to destroy them with single shots. And I'm like, no, we can't just again. I I don't know, man. Um, The Star Wars franchise has proven we can just again many, many, many times. true. We always Uh, do all to a trench run. Small deviation from this conversation, but something I did just yesterday is I rewatched all the trailers for the sequel trilogy films. Okay. Just because, like, I've been getting real sick of the vitriol I see online of, like, people shitting on the sequels and yet holding the prequels in such high reverence as though there is, like, some difference in quality. As and, like, there is, but... To some extent, but they are both inherently flawed. And I, I, I'm I, somebody who has definitely cooled on the vitriol of the prequels, but only in I see what works, but yeah. you can't deny that they, like... it's it, My attitude of the prequels is like, oh, I see what you were trying to do. He still failed to do that, folks. I'm sorry. Right. But in watching the trailers for the sequels again, there was this sense of like, oh man, until I had actually seen Rise of Skywalker, I was super jazzed on these films. Same here. Exactly same here. It's a weird thing where by bobbling that ending, the whole thing is tainted. Yeah, it's so like retroactively 
become slightly less palatable and that's so sad to me it's a weird thing yeah because i'm like i, I mean i was i'm a huge last jedi fan in particular myself mm. and uh it's just like but i can't watch it because i'm like it's all set up for something that's terrible yeah so well, speaking of things that are terrible yeah. uh, uh archie goodwin's writing here not great because oh, we start hi. with a not-so-funny thing happened to Luke, Leia, and the droids returning to the Avon system. I think this is supposed to be a play on a funny thing happened on the way to the theater, right? Yeah, I think it is. And it's it's I, so I, bundled. I, I opened, When I opened this last night and I read that, I'm like, oh, God. I, I think I actually did, like, audibly go, oh. <laughs> Come on. What are you doing? Kids, you, you, you love that. That musical about uh, the ancient Rome, right? Right? <laughs> Hilarious. Like, I, I bungled uh, literary references and stage references. Yeah. Maybe don't have a place in Star well, Wars unless they're universally known. And also, what does that have to do with anything that's happening right now? <laughs> Having... I don't know the the plot of a funny thing happened on the way to the theater, so I don't. Maybe it is incredibly relevant, and I'm just a I've luddite. Seen it. It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. It's just like that. Was that was it new at the time or something? I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's making the references to it. Um, right. But here we go. They're getting blasted away in the this this is a weird design ship. We saw this in the last issue too that they got handed this. It's like a hodgepodge of uh pieces from other space movie ships and stuff. Yeah, it's got a little bit of the blockade runner. It's got a little bit of two thousand one in here. Oh. There's a little bit of the Nostromo. Like there's, yeah, a, there's yeah, a few yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. Um and these TIE fighters are wonky looking. Yeah, the, it's the wing-to-ball ratio is totally off. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And the, but, but hey, it's a Doom mission, and, and we know it's bad because Luke says at the bottom of the page here, even the Force couldn't save us now. Which is something I considered reading this issue again, and something that has become a lot more relevant uh, due to podcast time travel. We're recording this just in the... Uh, the the aftermath of the Ahsoka finale has premiered recently, and you've already uh, heard us talk about it. Um, correct, no, because yeah, because we but these in different orders. The internet is reacting in some interesting ways, and like the general discussion about the nature of the Force is a hot topic right now. Yeah. Which I always, in all honestly, despite like some of the venom and acid that can be in these sorts of discussions. The fact that there is a lot of talk happening about the nature of the force sure. makes me happy. <laughs> well, you, with any discussion of Star Wars, right? It's like, you got to push aside any of this. Like if somebody says SJW or shit, you just, you know, no. sure. yeah. if woke comes up, whatever you dig through that. And then somewhere in there is an actually interesting discussion about the building blocks of Star Wars. Right. But, Speaking of the building blocks, at this point in our meta-narrative, what the Force is, mm -hmm. is a thing that lets Luke reach out with his feelings and shoot a thing good. Right. Which I find interesting. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, there was that, was it in the last issue? One of the most recent issues had the thing about talking about, like, it's as if Luke becomes the ship and, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's interesting as this comic evolves, it is also trying to figure out on a meta level, like what is the force and what abilities do they, does it grant Luke? And that's something this issue in particular sort of grapples with. It's something that going forward and like you're talking about in the discussions now, the force has always been purposely vague, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. like, and so... It's always the thing that gets me whenever somebody reacts like the you can't do that with the force. I'm like, um, I don't. You seem to have established that like if you try hard enough, you could do almost anything with the force. It's space magic. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the thing. I'm you know speaking of last Jedi, I remember people go like projecting yourself. You can't do that. And you're like, yeah, well, but being a ghost is fine though. I'm just saying like, well, we've never seen anyone do that. I'm not. Like I said, I, I, I'm I'm one of those people. I, I'm very quick to like. Let's not put a whole lot of limitations on the force. Like I, I don't right. I don't think it's a hard and fast. You can do this. You can't do that. Once again, I think it's a matter of concentration, power abilities, uh, how much you've studied, and stuff like that. You know, right. Uh, but yeah. I can't save them now. So on the next page, uh, we get a little bit of clever dialogue from. 3PO yeah. asking R2 like, oh, why do you think I haven't said we're doomed like I usually do? It's because Luke is saying it out loud. <laughs> and you know it's bad. If I'm saying we're doomed, that's just a Tuesday. But Right. Um, and I, I really think, though, we need to uh, Leia needs to talk to somebody about her uh, ever-sharpening body. Um, because... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Jeez. Between the eyebrows and the boobs and the yeah. fingernails, like yeah. she's just getting really sharp really quickly. Yeah, like uh, Infantino's art is getting sharper and sharper with each issue. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Leia later because something else you should need to keep an eye on with Leia in this issue is her hair buns. Keep an eye on those. Okay, oh, it'll be for a page later. <laughs> okay, I will. Uh, I wasn't tracking that, but yes, we've got. Uh, they're shooting. Uh, Leia's operating the guns on this ship, which is kind of cool. Once again, the uh, headset on her buns, and then look at what that forces the shape of the headset to be. Because just who would, super wide on the top. Yeah, who would ever design <laughs> headphones to sit like that? Like, the, does she have these custom made, and she brings these for her? It's like these would have to be made for. Well, these are for people with uh, crazy space hair buns. Also. The headphones in no way compress the hair. The no. hair is like given an extra four inches of width off of the head, which implies and it remains rigid. And implies either a particularly light headphone or the strongest of hair. It could be either, <laughs> knowing Leia. Yeah, uh, but Luke does have a line here of just like, "How do girl from a planet with no weapons get so good with guns?" Is there an answer? <laughs> The answer is that, like, Alderaan isn't as peaceful as people m- oh, let the we, galaxy assume. You know, we 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 know that. And, and actually, that's something that the Obi-Wan show filled in years and years later, of course, a little bit. And particularly that Leia was maybe more action-oriented than your average Alderaan citizen. Yeah. Uh, we get a brief mention of Jorman Thode, which seems a ridiculous callback to a character that's never going to matter again. But okay. They do, and I love. Okay, so and there's a there's of course an editor's note going that uh, number one. I love last ish always, but I just want to bring out why is the word traded bolded in this? The dealer because the, they say they say Jorman Thode, and then the, there's an asterisk saying that that was the dealer in U spacecraft who traded the ship to them last ish. I gotta assume that maybe there's some implication there that 
the fact that they gave away their older spaceship might come back to bite them in the ass. But But at least in this, that really stood out to me once again, going like, what? But it won't. (laughs) Because I'm going to let you know right now, John. Yeah. Jorman Thode appears in one issue of the Star Wars comic book, Whoa. and that was the last one. And what? do you do you want to know when else he's referenced? When is that? This, this issue. This issue? Yeah. <laughs> I just the second I asked, I'm like, of course. It's this <laughs> no, I thought he was going to get a spinoff comic. Damn it. Jorman Thode, Starship Trader. The behind-the-scenes entry on Wikipedia on Jorman Thode is one of the shortest, most dry things I've ever read on a, a Star Wars wiki. Please enlighten us. The behind-the-scenes of Jorman Thode. Jorman Thode made his first appearance in Star Wars 1977, number 25. Thode was illustrated by Carmine Infantino. There, there, there is literally nothing interesting about it. <laughs> at all. <laughs> Beyond the direct facts of his I will, creation. I will say this. If I ever get to work on a Star Wars thing, I'm putting him in it. Good. <laughs> I'm I saying approve. that now. Play this back to me in a world where Disney's crazy enough to hire me on anything. German Thode will return. John, you're just going to get a single text message from me in the middle of the night that just says, it's German Thode in time. <laughs> There it is. They announce I'm writing a Star Wars movie, and then immediately it's it's Jordan <laughs> time. You know it. Um, no, uh, so not. they're getting shot at. But what's this? X-wing fighters, a rebel reconnaissance patrol. They're safe. Pew pew. pew, pew. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> Which I did think this whole issue. I was surprised at like where the where the cliffhanger was in the last issue. How much is so quickly dealt with and happens in this issue really threw me. Because it's all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, no, we're in trouble. Oh, we're fine. And then, well, wait, we found this thing. Oh, let's go destroy it. My favorite panel in this issue is on the bottom of this page, though. Because, yeah, Luke, Leia, and the droids are fine. But there is this hellscape of wreckage behind them. You've got an entire rebel crew going like, oh, God. (laughs) Like, there's this burning, like, really... Dante's Inferno-esque looking wreckage behind them as they're standing there going like, well, we got out of that one good enough as people are rushing around trying to put out fires. It's spreading so fast! (laughs) And they're just like, well, hope you guys, everything looks all right, you guys. Yeah, they're not even, they're just, their backs are completely to it. Yeah. Like, even 3PO should be more concerned. Isn't he the panicky guy? And he's just like, right. I'm sure they've got it. Uh, Meanwhile, the guy who works the power loader is like, we need to stop it before it hits the hyperfuel or else it's going to... No! Mother of God! Why? (laughs) Why would you land this inside the base? (laughs) You've done more damage to us than the Empire ever could! (laughs) Anyway, let's go look at a slideshow. Uh... Look, if there's one thing we do whenever we land on Yavin 4, it's go look at slideshows. Also, uh, when we go to this next page here, uh, a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, Number one is this lattice work background. Yeah, why is the background suddenly in plaid? I know, that's so weird. And then two, why does General Donna look like Blackbeard now? Look at the eye makeup. Or did he get punched in the eye? (sighs) 
man, Infantino draws some good beards, but yeah, Dodonna looks decidedly younger in this issue because mm-hmm. doesn't he usually have a white beard? Am I crazy? Absolutely. No, he absolutely does. He's the, he, I always thought of him as sort of the, you know, white haired, wizened general. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like we're both like, let me look up what Dodonna looks like. Yeah. Uh, I just, I need to be oh, sure now because like white hair, it's exactly what I thought. It's the whitest of white hair. Yeah. Okay. 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 You know, so, yeah, I'm not crazy. I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at him in the, um, uh, in the rebels, like the rebels version of him is the whitest of white hair. Even, you know, like mm-hmm. even in cartoon form, it's like his white hair is a key of white hair, big white beard. And then here it's dark haired. And it's, it's really the, 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 like either the black eye or the Batman eye makeup. I don't know what's going on with him here. He looks like the shipwrecked guy from the Watchmen, uh, the black, black freighter. freighter. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And he's got a pi- That's why I said like black. He's got like a piratey, like. Yeah. But and look at the look at these Leia hair buns. Oh, I'm saying keep an eye on those. Now they've they've breached the top of her head. Mm-hmm. They're like slightly taller than the the crown of her skull. <laughs> Seems to be like way up over the top of her head by the end of this issue. Just, uh. just keep watching them. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so here's where they're talking about. All right. Well, here's uh here, these are the blow ups. From the photo recorder <laughs> unit of my macro binoculars. That's a lot all at once there. Um, but yeah, just like, thank God we have that film developer who can enlarge this. It's a good thing my binoculars were always recording, and that was a thing they could always do. Don't worry about it. Yeah, is this the only... I don't I don't know if macro binoculars recording in anything I've seen prior to this. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, folks. Once again, uh-oh. That's the House of Tag Mining Explorer. That's trouble. House of Tag? But why would they be involved unless... Unless... Because uh, now I really Unless we to... forget, yeah. the House of Tag, uh, big imperially aligned family uh, named after one of the generals in the boardroom on the Death Star. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea that this has continued, like, that was a name in the first movie... They did something in the comic books, and the fact that that has actually continued in the Star Wars comics and stuff, I, I will say, is impressive, because you would think that would just be completely forgotten. Nope, this is a piece of legacy that is being cemented before our eyes, which well, is part of the fun of doing this show. Absolutely, and as we've talked about, I actually really like the idea of the House of Tag, of sort of the like aristocratic or bourgeois you know, mm-hmm. families that are part of the Empire, but not literally in the like power structure of it. Yeah, so here we get the reestablishment of their dropping off TIE Fighters. Uh, the TIE Fighters are going to a secret base on the gas giant of Yavin, and somewhere in that base there is a space station or something that can control the weather enough to let the TIE Fighters pass into the gas giant proper. Absolutely. Now I want to talk about how these TIE Fighters are drawn, Gurgani, because it appears to me that their engines are firing out of the windows. Ooh, and that bottom left panel there? Yep. Yeah, yeah. There is a a very specific, like, engine port on the back, and I had to look this up again to confirm basically what I knew from my toys as a kid. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's a very specific sort of singular hole where, like, the exhaust port on a 
TIE Fighter is. He, he appears to be drawing as if TIE Fighters are like symmetrical and both sides look like that. But that is definitely the cockpit window of a TIE Fighter. Now, here's a question for you. Hmm. Have... Did any of the movies ever show the back of a TIE Fighter? Or what? did the first movie ever show the back of a TIE Fighter? That's a question I'd have to look at. Uh, I yeah. don't know is the answer. And even now, like I was looking online and... There's not a lot of even photos if you Google TIE Fighters. Mostly they're coming at you. Sure. No, because that's the classic, like, swooping down from the top of frame straight at you is, like, the classic TIE Fighter entrance. So it is possible that this is just, they just don't know what the back of it looks like. And like, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm basing that off of that's wrong because I definitely had a toy of a TIE Fighter as a kid, so. And again, interesting, fun question is those early spaceship designs, there are probably angles that weren't being shown off in a film, so it might have been left to toy manufacturers to figure out what the back of a TIE Fighter looked oh, like. That's interesting, too. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, it, Star Wars being this massive multimedia franchise, there is a lot of stuff we know where it's like, Oh, that actually came from an action figure or a book or a thing, you know, mm -hmm. stuff we know. I mean, half the background character names just because they needed something to put on a toy box. Well, unless we forget our favorite character, Sleaze Bagano. Oh, Sleaze Bagano. I'm a Voberdan stan myself, speaking oh, of the sequels. Well, you gotta love Voberdan, of course. <laughs> He's a stickler for the rules. Well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where would the rebellion, or I'm sorry, the resistance be without him? It eventually just became the rebellion. Come on, yeah, because uh, it's always a rebellion. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm always a rebel in my art. Mm -hmm. uh, so we get through the slideshow and Dodonna getting like real, just ancient Greek philosopher in this God top left it. panel. <laughs> yeah, how did he turn from Blackbeard into Aristotle, man? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> suddenly Plato is having a uh, a dialogue. But yeah, just such the such dark hair, and then. This hodgepodge of weirdos around him. I don't know who Commander Willard is, but I don't remember him being a named character. No, but he seems super important now. <laughs> Star Wars. Commander Willard's correct. <laughs> Va uh, Vanden Willard is the character's name. I'm on Wikipedia. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, so apparently he does appear in the original uh, movie, but he does not look like that. Not even remotely. <laughs> He's kind of got like a, a hawkish nose and like kind of slim features. Yeah, uh, I can he... say though, even when they're showing pictures of him in the movie, I'm like, I don't remember this guy. And I've seen that movie 800 times. Yeah, but... he's just like another rebel who was around. It's like, what I love too is like, if you go to the Wikipedia for him, uh, all the photos of him, there's no like close up of him. It's all just him in the side of the frame with Leia or something like that. It's like, oh, we can't even get like a good screen grab of this guy because he's such a non-character. Anyway, <laughs> uh, super confusing though that he looks completely different in this. Yeah, well, so they, uh, Dodonna's being like, okay, so how do we, how do we approach this base? Clearly the TIE Fighters have some way of signaling the base to get in there, but we don't have that because... No offense, our ships are great, but they're kind of old and busted, and House of Tag has all the latest technology. Right, right. Yeah, and so, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. And then you gotta have Luke run out of there with, by the way, this ponytail? 
Yeah, yeah, not quite sure why Luke's hair is down to the middle of his back uh, in that middle right panel. That yeah. is odd. Uh, and but so he's running lest we the... lest we forget what we're tracking here, Leia's hair buns are now extending out the back of her skull. God, you're right. Oh my god! <laughs> I was so distracted by the sudden appearance of a uh, of a ponytail, I nearly missed yeah. that. Wow. <laughs> Oh, guys, I mean, I know, I know, it's, I know, comics are hard, but like Jesus, um, yeah. But so Luke is running out because wait a minute, that Tie Fighter we shot down might still be intact, and that might allow us to use whatever it's signaling to, you know, mm-hmm. to get us uh, into the base. So Luke is jumping into the cockpit of a Y wing, which is fun to see Luke flying a Y wing. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, I will say uh, a weird Luke line is somebody get R2-D2 up in this baby's droid socket. Luke does not strike me as a guy who'd go, fire up this baby. Look, I'm going to ramble on down to Tashi Station and really schmooze and pick up some chicks, yo. Hey, honey, check out this sweet baby I drove in. (laughs) Han might say it. That might be a Han Solo line. Well, yeah, he's like, stick together, baby. Yeah, Luke is not, yeah. Fired up. He's not cool enough for this. Where is he? Oh, by the way, what is the explanation? Don't worry about it. There's okay. no explanation. He's off doing a, something else. Anyway, we're going to put R2 in there. Luke flying a Y-Wing is very cool. I've always loved the Y-Wing. Um, they're, they're like the station wagons of, uh, yeah. <laughs> of Rebel fighters. You know, they're not flashy, but they'll get you there. They get a good safety rating. Uh, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know, it's mm-hmm. a reliable family vehicle. <laughs> that is primarily used for strategic bombing runs. But yeah. yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> and then we don't even want to talk about the A-Wing. Um, hey, the A-Wing is the fastest ship in the Rebel fleet, all right? That's right. And yet it gets no respect. Yeah, none. <laughs> That's not true. The real ship that gets no respect is the B-Wing because oh. it only ever appears in one movie. Yes, this is true. Um, but there are a billion toys, of course, still. Yeah, I love the B wing with like how it like can kind of swivel around its cockpit. So cool. I think I think the B wing is very cool, and I think somebody should do something more with it. You hear that, makers of Star Wars? Uh, there was a pretty good Rebels episode that like was exclusively yeah. about Hera like figuring out how to fly the B wing because nobody one. else really could, and because it's kind of a weird ship. Like it's cool. Yeah, yeah, I know. I like that one. Um, more B-Wing is what I'm saying, folks. Uh, yeah, 100%. Come on, folks. Uh, so, Luke is flying. He finds the crashed uh, TIE fighter, but there is danger in that. For if the fighter is intact, the pilot may be as well. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we now must get some internal monologue from a TIE fighter pilot. So goddamn funny. I never... <laughs> Uh, and then a blasted little droid broke the transmission. Pew, pew. Because, yeah, the, the, the TIE fighter pilot is signaling to, like, hey, I need to get picked up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he sees Luke and R2 approaching his TIE fighter. His internal monologue is like, oh, he must be coming to salvage my ship. Better blow up my ship. Yep. <laughs> uh, but R2 shuts down the self-destruct detonator. And then he gets vedowed by this guy. Then he gets vedowed. Uh, can we, up, up, up. before we turn the page and look at uh, the wreckage that is R2-D2, can I note that, is this the first time we've seen a 
rebel like fighter pilot jumpsuit with the mask on with the helmet. Yeah. Yes, that's it's so odd. They definitely looking. don't ever have that in in New Hope or anything. So right, yeah. Well, and all of a sudden, uh, like it seems like he just has a breathing apparatus from a distance. When we do turn the page, suddenly he's got like a full weird mask, Luke. If anything, this is the character that appears in the cover, just like yeah. colored differently. Yeah, but that's Luke. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's weird. All of a sudden, it's like, I don't understand. Also, when did he have time to get into his flight suit? Didn't we see him leaping into the UI wing in his, like, classic white robes? Yes. Yes. And he's going, <laughs> he's going get R2 in here now, implying I'm not going to go put on my flight suit. If anything, I'm going to go back a couple pages. Uh, there's some. Did he change on the way? It specifically says on the last page, before anyone can get over their surprise enough to protest, Luke is into the skies and on his way. So, wow! Then that makes no sense at all. Also, why would he need a breathing apparatus if they're on Yavin 4 where there's air? Jesus Christ. I know. I don't. <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this whole comics attitude is, yeah, whatever. Yeah, let's look at the horrifying remains of R2 being yanked out of the back of this Y-Wing. Good lord. Yeah, here they go. They're pulling him up. <laughs> There's parts of him falling off. Um, yeah, it, it looks grisly, honestly. Well, what's weird is it actually looks like he's more damaged than when he got hit by TIE Fighter fire, which you would think yeah. would be more damage. Here, a guy just shot him with a, a blaster, and all of a sudden, R2's like... Look at that. There's parts of him... I'm going to use the term sloughing off. Look at that. Yeah. He's melting. If, if he was made of meat, I would call this a disemboweling. <laughs> um, and I I do like where it's like, um, basically everyone is like, oh no, not again. <laughs> I mean, 3PO has this line here. Oh dear, it's like the Death Star battle all over again. Do you think it will take long to repair him, sir? And this guy's like, oh, 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 he ain't coming back from this. Oh, well, and Lord, no, no, no. This particular moment speaks to a, a kind of a running theme, if there can be even one so far in this book, mm. other than Cash Grab. The theme of, like, droid racism has yeah. been an undercurrent through this whole book. Well, already Whether this guy's cutting him up for parts. He's like... Hey, man, you know, we got a lot of other units that we could tear apart this one and, and improve. Which, if you're looking at it from a purely mechanical perspective of droids aren't people, then it makes sense, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, okay, one really badly damaged unit can share parts to a bunch of mildly damaged Except units. Except for there's an actual distraught droid having an emotional breakdown in front of you. <laughs> Again, we can never really go into nope. the how droids fit into it the Star Wars universe. Horrific. And the less yeah. said about it, the better. Holy God. Um, and the, then, well, the current we, crossover event happening right now in Star Wars uh, comics is sort of addressing this a little bit, which I find interesting. Um, but as we've always pointed out, you can only address it so much because by the needs of the story, you can't like retroactively go like, oh, wait. No, they are totally people. And then you're like, well, then some really fucked up shit happened in some of the past movies and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I do like this where the guy's like, uh, hey, man, I, 
I know you like that little droid. And then Luke's just like, you son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah, Luke on this next right going, don't tell me he's only a machine. Right. Well, that, that was what I was about to say, but all right. Again, Infantino just like with peak beard art here. Good lord, it is glorious. I gotta look. Did Infantino ever do like a pirate or like a high seas comic? Because he would have gone crazy for like a naval adventure thing with these beards. I mean, we did have that planet full of pirates, John. So. Oh, lest we forget pirate planet. Was that, that was Doom World, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the Doom World. Yeah, and there's lots of Doom in this comic. That's plenty of doom. You're gonna get uh, you're gonna get a lot of doom for your buck in this book. Um, <laughs> and then you got oh distraught Luke Skywalker looking at the multicolored planet in front of him. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be the gas giant Yavin, right? Um, which is all kinds of purple and orange. Yeah. So Luke is off staring into the distance as he is wont to do, uh, whether it be with two suns or a gas giant, and Leia's trying to come up and comfort him. Something that's what's gonna happen. He says he's meditating, but we all know he's just taking a nap. Yeah, but Leia is afraid he's going to catch his death from cold, so I better bring him his coat. <laughs> Which isn't his sweet yellow coat from the end of A New Hope. I, one of the biggest things I love about the Jason Aaron Marvel run is him making that coat such a big part of it, because that is the coolest Luke. Well, no, I'm sorry. It's the second coolest, because they all black from Jedi is the coolest yeah. Luke. That is badass. But that yellow coat rules. Right. Uh, so he comments on the fact that he failed in his original mission, which if you remember from issue number eight. I know. They threw that. <laughs> honestly, honestly, they put that note and I'm like, I don't remember. Oh, right. <laughs> his original mission when he left Yavin 4 was to find the rebels a new base. Right. He failed because he found the Doom World on accident. Also, like, but isn't that still just an ongoing mission? Okay, you didn't find a planet on that outing. I don't think it was meant to be like, it's now or never, Luke. And, and apparently the other pilots they sent didn't come back? Like, how dangerous? Just yeah. find a planet somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, literally go anywhere, really. I mean, like, there's got to be... <laughs> Spoiler, they're going to go to an ice planet. Um, yeah, look. But, there's a nice ice cube out there for them that we haven't found yet. But yeah, it is like, all of a sudden... Back in issue, he's moping about something that happened in issue eight. Good lord! Yeah, way, way to dwell on the present, Luke. That's what Obi Wan would have wanted. Every mission can't be a success. War just isn't that simple. Ooh, insightful. I mean, look, there is actually some pretty like grim realpolitik stuff that happens in this sequence here because Leia oh. says that, and then we have Dodonna coming up. I love and... Dodonna coming up. It's just like I heard what you said, and I want to tag on to that. <laughs> I'm here too. Yeah. Also, my hair got a lot darker and yeah. grayer, and it's good that I've uh, younged up a little bit because I had to rush up these steps. So, um... <laughs> also, Leia, why in the top right panel are your hair bones now the size of your head? <laughs> Also, love Leia's purple scarf because it's a bit chilly outside. It's a bit chilly outside, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but it's yeah, just like not every mission is, and it's just, nor is it fair. <laughs> what? There are missions from which men cannot possibly return, and yet we still send them. Often we send our best. Luke, yeah. you're going to die. Leia's re rejoinder with, but you'll throw away the life of the man who destroyed the Death Star? And I love the Donna's line here, just like, if it can prolong the life of the Alliance, your highness, yeah. yes. Hey, hey, lady, what do you think we're doing here? 
<laughs> and then Luke coming back like, and uh, hey, still standing right here. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's. You're going to let this man die? You're goddamn right. I'm going to let that man in front of me die. That is what's going to happen. <laughs> He's like, like being like, uh, do I have a say in this? Yeah. Just, I, I mean, I'll just do the mission. You don't have to be like. <laughs> but yeah, just this idea about like, I, I just, it's another thing too, where it's like, get off Yavin. Yeah. Look, we, we haven't established what the rebel transport ships look like yet, so they can't leave. Right. Because that's what we <laughs> talked about. Like, okay, they have this pretty powerful weapon and base, but it's all Yavin-centric. If they get off Yavin, the, the Empire can't do much from this specific base. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not exactly. another Death Star. It's not, this thing isn't, you know, isn't going to fly somewhere. Yeah, the, the the Imperial base that's inside the gas giant of Yavin can't follow them, as and far as they know. That's kind of what got me about this, where it's like, well, the whole thing, we, like they mentioned Luke's mission stuff, we've been trying to find another base, but now the mission is, uh-oh, <laughs> we seem to just be here, so let's stop that thing. So it's just like, what are you trying to do, guys? Do you want to stay on Yavin or not? Well, this book really doesn't address the idea that the Rebel fleet could just be an extant thing that exists yeah. out in space and not require a planet to land on, that, like I mean, it is in Empire and then again in Return of the Jedi. Yes, and something that that does happen in the more in the later uh, the Marvel books, they do that. Yeah, they're sort of floating around before they find Hoth, which would make sense. It's like we just got to be on the move, or like Battlestar Galactica, for that matter. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, but this book can't really grapple with that because those ships haven't been designed yet. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, the ship they have designed is, it turns out that the rebels were just sitting on a TIE fighter in mothballs. Uh, you know, actually, now that I just thought of it, we have a TIE fighter lying around. <laughs> That's basically what happens. Mm, they At the bottom of this page, they're like, hey, we've had this TIE fighter for a while. That transponder you found in the crash ship, we're going to install it in this. We need our best pilot to fly in there. We've loaded this thing up with enough bombs to destroy a city. Yeah. Uh, go get them, Luke. We've had this old Hulk for years. You can't say Hulk in a Marvel book. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, you can, and he just did, John. Yeah, well, I know, but it's just like, well, nah, now I just wish he was here. Um, <laughs> well, Hulk. he'd be able to put an end to this empire lickety-split. Hulk smash empire! Uh, <laughs> Hulk, ha Hulk hate tyranny! Um, but, uh, yeah, so Luke flies off once again, shooting out the back of the window there. Um, which is so weird, but, oh my god. This how democracy dies, not... <laughs> To thunderous applause, Hulk smash. Very insightful, <laughs> Senator Hulk. Um, <laughs> from Planet Hulk. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, the the planet of Sakaar and their lead senator. Yeah, Hulk. Hulk disagree with motion on table. Uh, <laughs> Hulk not talk. Palpatine. Hulk think emergency powers given to Supreme Chancellor have gone on long enough. Clone Wars is smokescreen. <laughs> Hulk think Clone Wars is proxy war. Uh. <laughs> no so, way. on this next page, uh, you are proven correct, John, in that they now draw the TIE fighter with yeah. the exhaust coming out of what looks like its front. Yeah, It really does. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, even if they don't have context... 
why would this be your choice to just make it look the same though? Like if you're talking about if the to- if it is the toy companies that decided what the exhaust, the comic book people could have given some thought as to what the engines look like. Instead, they implying built- that anyone on this book is giving anything any yeah. thought is your first hey. stumbling block. There, hey, there's a guy on the ground who has no face in this. Ooh, yeah, there's actually two of them there, the one on the left and the one on the right don't have faces. They're just helmets. That's they have yeah. They have dicks and helmets and no faces. That's really upsetting. <laughs> I just noticed that now. Because they're not turned enough that it's just the back of the helmet. No, they're missing faces. That's like a Doctor Who bad guy. <laughs> hey, wait, when did we recruit these faceless guys? Um and then Boy, you want to talk about uh, Goodwin's overwrought narration. Jesus. Well, look, because what kind of example would she be if a princess, senator, well, the Senate doesn't really exist, leader and symbol of the Rebel Alliance showed that she cries? What? From whence doth this princess weep, John? Man, her whole planet blew up and she didn't cry. So, you know, I'm just... (laughs) Well, she doesn't show... I mean, that is a thing with Leia, and that will be the characterization of her in a lot of expanded universe stuff going forward. Of course, but this is such a goofy and stupid way to show... Like, and the thing about, if she were to cry... I agree with the fact that it is presented melodramatically here, but I think it is like a root of the characterization we will see of her going forward that honestly isn't really addressed in the movies. No. Uh, That's one of the reasons I really like the... uh, Was it Raka who did the Leia miniseries? Princess of Alderaan? I think it was. Mm, uh, Yeah, that sounds about right. It's Dodson art, I know, but I think it's Mm -hmm. Raka writing. And that really gets into like her emotional, you know, coming through after the Alderaan and her having to be sort of a strong leader. But also, like any human being, she cries completely from the side of her eye. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. All right. And meanwhile. Um, that was Mark Wade, actually. Oh, Wade. Okay, there you go. Um, really good comic. Uh, I highly recommend yeah. that new series. Um uh, meanwhile, in other chambers, other visuals are kept. Um, don't like the, maybe that's just my own personal sense, but the two others in there really bother me. It makes it sound clunky. In other chambers, other visual vigils are kept. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. yeah. That's just, maybe that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. The, the, that's a grammar issue. I can't really help you there. Yeah, I know. I just don't like it. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, in another chamber, a different vigil is kept. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. We have basically 3PO sitting at the bedside of R2-T2. And, I mean, look at R2. The, like, turned up metal of where he got shot. Once again, they are really... Kids love this character. And it's just like, look at him, man. He got ripped apart. To the point where 3PO... And speaking of, like... Uh, droids with emotional like yeah. uh turbulence he says at the end here i wouldn't be able to bear it if you got turned into spare parts and he's talking about i'd give my parts to you if i could whatever they need to take my best friend you know 
Um, can't you even bleep, R2? Call me a carbon-scored crybaby. Wow. Just, yeah, yeah, droids aren't people, though, so it's fine. No, I mean, and I actually do like this because this is one of the most enduring relationships in Star Wars, is the friendship between these two. They are... One of, I think it, it, like... It is, maybe, yeah, it is. No, I think it is is the most enduring friendship because it's across all the movies, right? I believe it is literally all of them, yes. Yeah, they are, you know, eternal companions. Actually, that's not true. The only one that neither of them appear in is Solo. That's true. Because they even... I love that they even sneak into Rogue One. Yeah, they just, and that makes sense because right they in the end there, but they would be there. That's that that didn't feel like oh they just jammed them in here. Uh, yeah, man, Anthony Daniels though. I mean, I guess once again we've already done the review of it, but man, he even fucking sneaks into Ahsoka, man. <laughs> always get that work. <laughs> I there was an interview that cropped up from him recently because of his appearance in Ahsoka, yeah. where apparently he was asked to audition in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> And was like, excuse me? Yeah. I don't know, man. Do you still have it? You still got 3PO? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he's got it. Uh, well, I do love the story, too, about that he was, they were going to replace his voice, just like David Prowse. And then they were like, no, it's too good. That just must have been the real knife twist for David Prowse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was just like. No, we can't not replace this. This is perfect. Oh, the other British character actor gets to keep his voice, but I can't? (laughs) Son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, I've seen those on-set footage, as you have as well, and it's super weird that Darth Vader's just like, well, Princess Leia, you're a part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. You know? It's just like, (laughs) yeah, it's a real proper Darth Vader. Uh, Mm So uh, speaking of yeah. proper, we've got Luke here with a lot of thoughts just thinking around in his brain. God, yeah. And also, oh God, okay, I gotta talk about some inconsistencies here. We know what an mm. X-Wing helmet looks like, Gurgani, right? It's a helmet t- and, then a, and then a plastic visor slides down over the eyes. You're you're talking about the hair in the top right panel you here, got right? That right. Yep. All, of a sudden, okay. it, all of a sudden it's like it's glasses. Then it goes back in the next panel, though, to being attached to the helmet as it should be. Also, it should be orange, but I'm neither here nor there on that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that I'm willing to let slide. Um, also, uh, just because I'm a... It's, it's this, hey, it's this show. Uh, he's using a joystick, and we all know that TIE Fighters have the two-handle controls. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that in the first movie. Yeah, and that, that they do have reference for, so that is on them. Also, the cockpit is like slanted back, and there's windows to his left and to his right. Right, they're drawing. That's not what. No, they're drawing the interior of an X-wing, even though he's flying a Tie Fighter. Yeah. (laughs) By the, I, 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 sometimes I'm so used to talking to normal people, Gurgani, that part of me is going like, "I'm sorry," but then I'm going like, "No, on this show, that's a totally valid statement to make." (laughs) Yeah. No, this is. Infantino just being like, eh, it's a cockpit. What is the cockpit that Luke is in? It's an X-Wing cockpit. There is no other cockpit. I am furious. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved how weird and kind of more sinister feeling the TIE Fighter is when you have characters fly it. Uh, speaking of the sequels, to say something nice about them, uh, I love Poe Dameron flying the TIE Fighter at the beginning of Force Awakens. And, totally. And it being like, kind of like, oh shit, I don't, this thing's weird. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know, quite know how to fly this thing. Yeah. But he's Poe Dameron, so he can fly anything. He can but. fly anything. Oh, man, the wasted potential of the coolest character. Um, <laughs> uh, so we have it flying backwards into this giant swirling cotton candy anus. Yep. Uh, no other <laughs> No other description is valid, honestly. Um <laughs> The bottom panel of this page. Well, this gets real trippy because then let's talk about the the cyclone of cotton candy on the next uh, page. Yeah, so this is where we finally get to see the Imperial base that is generating these weather control. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It looks like a really chonky Star Destroyer. Like yeah. if, if a Star Destroyer and a, a whale shark had a baby. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that's 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 a that's an accurate description. And, and yeah, everything in here is cotton candy colored because that was the cheapest ink they had. I'm not sure. I mean, this is also a time when comic books were real comic booky. You know, I mean, like mm. that sense where everything is like it's a comic book. We better color it as vividly as we can. But like. We know that Yavin is an orange gas giant. We've seen it drawn like that in this comic. We literally just did when Luke was looking at it, right? Like, So, would orange just not have popped as much? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's They, they make weird choices in this comic. Yeah, and like, 70s coloring is its own rabbit hole of discussion in comic books. Course, it's like... Course. The coloring decisions made in the 70s and 80s in, like, what could be called the Bronze Age of comics is a fascinating topic to dive into in and of itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the thing about this is is they're, they're, and they're not digitally coloring, so I understand as well, like, the control of the colors is not the same as it is now and stuff like that. But yeah. Let's talk about some crazy colors when we go to tag here, our CyberVision friend. Uh, yeah, because lest we forget, uh, moored to the side of this space station is the House of Tag ship, which you'd think mooring a large spaceship just to the side of this thing yeah. inside the turbulent yeah. winds of a gas giant yeah. would be a terrible idea. I one would think, but apparently not. Apparently it's going just fine for these guys. Because so, oh god, this, yeah, yeah. Okay, get so. to Mister Sinister himself. Baron Tag. <laughs> Baron Tag with his orange-bladed lightsaber that's the exact same color as the hilt. And his glasses. Damn it. And his uh, his uh, uh, red and blue outfit, uh, which wasn't... The- I, I, I like his look. I'm, I'm growing on it, actually. It's, like, it's very Marvel Comics. Uh, it's very yeah, Marvel yeah, 100%. Comics. It doesn't fit this- Star Wars, but I, I, I do kind of enjoy it. Uh, he is a bad guy that Nick Fury would have fought in the sun. Hundred percent. This is a Steranko villain. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're they're upset. I also love him calling Darth Vader a blasted wizard, <laughs> who cursed him to a lifetime of cyber vision. This okay. Is- so we established in the last issue that Darth Vader blinded this guy blinded with a lightsaber, guy. and so th- and this guy's. Now his whole life is about getting revenge on Vader for that. Right. And he has to use these weird spiky glasses to see, hence the cyber vision. Yeah. Cursed me to a lifetime of cyber vision. 
So, with that being said, why would he lift the glasses while talking to his girl? I have no idea. (laughs) Must I remind you that I'm blind under here? I mean, look, those glasses don't look comfortable. I'm not surprised he would want to take them off of his face. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, but still, he, it really, it's just for the audience to go, right? Blind under here, folks. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're done. And then, of course, they get shaken about and, and, and his butt warms up against the side of something. <laughs> I do like a good butt warming. <laughs> Somebody pull that. Somebody pull that piece of audio. Uh. <laughs> That's going to be some ringtone now. I I'm not by, ashamed, John. I stand by it, man. Yeah, you got to own that shit. You know, that's the thing uh-huh. about it. <laughs> uh, so they get whummed uh, right as he is swearing sweet vengeance on the cursed Dark Lord for a lifetime of cybervision. <laughs> mm, cybervision! I love a lifetime of cybervision. That's just, just a fun phrase. Everything about Baron Tag is so comic booky. It's objectively not good Star Wars, but it's such good <laughs> '70s Marvel, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they're upset because Luke is blasting away at the ship here. Yeah, Luke Skywalker has just put one of his proton charges into the turbine station's Tie Fighter hangar. Luke's blowing the hell out of this place. Hell yeah, man! And look at you go to the next page, and there's a lot of. I mean, on this page, I mean, there's a lot of uh, exploding, and he's blowing stuff up, and he's telling us this is great, man. But if he gets too much into the gas giant, uh, you know, he has to maintain visual contact, right? Because none of the sensors are working, so he's got to keep an eye line on whatever he is attacking. Right, and once he's off in the gas, there's basically no guarantee he'd ever find his way out because of his sensors not working and basically visuals being nothing. Right, right, right. So, uh, but, you know, he's Luke Skywalker, though. <laughs> yeah, he blows. I love the art on this next page and this, like, big top panel when he blows up the trench thing. Very cool, and I love... Uh, the turbine, I should say. The 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 force of the explosion, like, scorching the, the wings on the TIE Fighter. Yeah, really it's cool. really cool. Very cool. Because that's what's going to turn him in here. Uh, within instance, the explosive flare that marked the successful accomplishment of his mission fades. And he is alone. This is some really striking art alone. that we get in these next few panels. Yeah, really striking art that would be more effective without... Alone. 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 I can see that. <laughs> It's kind of cool and dark. It's actually, this is where Infantino is doing the work. This is always my frustration with, with older comics, as we've talked about before. They can't just let an image stand on its own and, like, affect you. It always has to be like, he's so alone. Right. We get this this refrain on this bottom right panel that says, Alone, fighting to trim and keep together a ship refitted in haste, pushed beyond the capability and desperation. Alone, lost without instruments amid swirling, colliding gases that are the planet Yavin. Alone, no way to mark up or down the path of salvation or destruction. You need the bongos. We need tension bongos, yeah. I gotta get it on. You know, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a little, it's a little too much. That's, it's the same thing. I actually, it's the same thing with Leia crying. Take away all the, the wording. And I would have liked just the art of that. Cause it's striking yeah. and it conveys all the emotion we need to understand. But it becomes silly when they're going, a princess can't cry. 
So on this next page, we have something that we've oft talked about because it is like one of the larger deconstructionist things in comic books that Watchmen does. And so anytime somebody uses it purposefully, it is of note because of how it was then deconstructed in that like seminal book, right? And obviously this book is made years before Watchmen comes out. Of course. Um, but we have our nine panel grid. Yes. How much more effective would this be if we lost all of the Luke dialogue here? Oh, infinitely so. Because right? all of it is just blather. Well, he's monologuing. He's talking to nobody. He's talking yeah. to himself. And, and so yeah. we have our descriptions on the four uh, cardinal panels. The top center, the left, the right, and the bottom center. Mm -hmm. And those are describing like how he's tumbling through this gas giant. He has no sense of direction, no sense of how to get out. Right. And it's kind of berating him in that like angry Claremontian style that can be really effective when the narrator is like yelling at the characters in the book being like, you fools, how, yeah. how dumb have you been to find yourself in this situation? Claremont is one of the only guys that I uh, pull back that criticism of the narration because number one, I think he's a better writer than a lot of, like, like just a, like as a most of the time. Yeah. For the most part, just as a as a writer of prose than a lot of the other comic book writers, and yeah, he it, it is creating a style. There is a, 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 a an approach to the, there is the reason it's Claremontian prose, right? And I do feel like it's kind of a thing where because I mean we're we're in peak, you know, it's it's at the beginning, but we're definitely at like Claremont's X Men is crazy popular at this point. Sure, uh, yeah, and I do think it's one of those things where it's like we see this a lot where it's like oh. I want to do that too. And it's like, yeah, but you don't actually, you're not actually looking at what he's doing, like to a certain extent, right? I think that's, that's sort of, there, there's a bunch of people who, once Claremont comes along, try to do Claremont without really understanding what works about Claremont. And we've seen that. I mean, that's across the board and all this stuff. Pull out, you fool. Every conscious thought screams, pull out or die in the hard, frozen center of Yavin. Too much. I think it would be effective and you could keep the writing the same mm. if we lost all of Luke's monologue to himself about being able to connect with the force. Well, cause if it was all, all just implied. Yeah. And it's all, and that's all information. It's just restating stuff. We know about Luke as a character. It's not telling us anything new about him. Um, it's all stuff. I would assume he was thinking. In fact, he was already talking about meditating earlier. And so, you know, right. Exactly. He's been, if you've been reading this for the last few issues, you know, he's been trying to like reach out with the force and stuff like that. It's not, if you've been reading this for the last few pages, you know, that. <laughs> and here he goes again, going, I believe in myself. Yeah. And then we cut to the exuberant him flying out of the gas giant, having somehow connected with the force enough to get out of that situation. Right. Corner panel here. Look at how much writing is in that panel. It's too much. That's crazy. Yeah. God. All right. Because, but the whole thing here is he's not the only one who escaped the gas giant because, uh-oh, right on his tail, it's Baron Tag. How did he get out? Pissed. Uh, they, what's the thing here about, they, they say something about like, uh, they just say that they followed Luke. They basically just go like, well, we just did what he did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a completely different ship that wouldn't function in any way. This, whatever. Whatever, man. How did they keep visuals on a single TIE fighter yeah. in the 
spittedly impossible to navigate gases of Yavin. They were talking about how Luke was unable to track them, and they're now able to track him out of the... Oh, God. And they, they've got better technology. It's the House of Tag ship. Hey, man, he used his cyber vision. <laughs> he used his cyber vision. Yeah, you answered it, John. <laughs> oh, it's bad. Um, there's good... Once again, that's the problem with this comic. It's like there are good ideas in here. But they're just not taking the time to actually, like, think them out. So, but Baron Tag is alive and kicking. He will be our ongoing villain and antagonist for a while now. But yeah, Baron Tag is still very much alive, despite everyone's best efforts. And pissed. (laughs) And pissed. Yeah, he's pulling a full Kylo Ren here as he just starts smashing consoles with his lightsaber. I love the chance... (laughs) His his uh you know right hand man Shanks is like that's ironic this uh Skywalker actually saved us and Shanks and uh, Tag is just like oh shut up. <laughs> and the only reason they know Luke Skywalker's name is because the House of Tag ship intercepts Luke's communication back to uh, Yavin base in which apparently he monologues enough to say his own name. Yeah, he did the impossible, Shanks, and ruined my chances of showing up Darth Vader in the process. Someday I'll learn his secret, then do to Luke Skywalker, worse than the Sith Lord did to me. So now Baron Tag is out for Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, so he just wants the whole family tree chopped down. Yeah, but we've got trouble because next issue, the attempt to restore R2-D2 may be doomed by the return of the Hunter. John, do you know who this hunter is? Craven? No, uh, I'm assuming it's, uh, it's our friend. Uh, uh, oh God, what's our what's our cyborg friend's name? Uh, Valance. Valance is going to be back next issue. Valance, of course. Oh, I'm are we going to get some answers about his weird droid racism? Oh man, we we talked about a little bit of droid racism, but if Valance is coming back. That guy hates droids and anyone who would be friends with droids. I mean, his main issue with Luke Skywalker is less about destroying the Death Star and more about that he did it with his droid friends. And look, if that does not come to a head next issue, <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be good, but it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah, I can't wait, man. He, I've been waiting for him to come back. He is my favorite creation of, the, of this Star Wars comic for sure. And yeah, now we're going to get him from Infantino and you'd best bet that he is going to be sharp as hell. Yeah, I know. I lo- the last time we saw him when, when he when he did his big reveal of his cyborg face and he looked like a Judge Dredd villain and it was so cool. I don't think Infantino is going to lean into that as much, something tells me, but yes, you'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like Infantino is so... I mean, at this point, he's a legend from, like, DC Silver Age, so he's still carrying that stuff in. And the the Valance look and, like, the stuff that, like, the British guys are doing in 2000 AD is firmly the opposite of Infantino. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Infantino is absolutely the old guard here. But, yeah, uh, that ends the seg of Yavin for now. (laughs) It wasn't much of a seg, I must say. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, as far as segs go, it was yeah. pretty lackluster, honestly. Pretty indeed, yes. Uh, but 
the siege is broken and they need to get out of here. But we didn't get we don't get any resolution where that's concerned because we just literally end on Baron Tag throwing a hissy fit and then the return of the hunter is declared. I know it, it, I I did I was kind of struck by that as like oh it's not going to continue to be tag okay we're just going to get back to the previous okay all right sure yeah whatever. Look, Tag's going to stick around. He's going he is going I to be an ongoing so. threat. I should hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've made a powerful enemy today, Luke Skywalker. And we'll never see each other again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he's going to do worse than just blind him, apparently. So, Well, I might chop off a hand or something. That's well, pretty bad. <laughs> I would love it so much if they did that and then had to, like, back up because of him. <laughs> no, they can't. <laughs> no, they won't. They can't. Um, so, yeah. That yeah, this uh, wraps up issue number 26. We'll be back next week with issue number 27 and the return of Valance the Hunter. Uh, but in the meantime, you can always support everything we do here uh, at Punch-Up Entertainment and at May the Panel Be With You yes. uh, by checking out our Podbean patron page. That's patron.podbean.com slash punchup. That's, right. That right? That's exactly right. There you can get cool exclusive bonus content from this show and all the shows on our uh, Punch-Up Network, including uh, Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters, Material Components, and The Action Shelf. Uh, so be sure you head over to that. Uh, if you enjoy uh, commentaries and stuff like that, The Action Shelf has been doing a series of... Because while The Action Shelf is on break, uh, Michael Lisman and myself are still doing The Last to Be Curious, where we're going through movie franchises. And I think as of this is coming out, uh, I'm going to carry the one, uh, we've already done our series about the Halloween franchise. So... For, mm. for, for Halloween season. So if you're still looking to carry some of that Halloween forward into the winter, you can listen to Michael and I talk about the Halloween movies. It is always spooky season in our hearts. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So, and of course, if of course, yeah, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, subscribe below. That's a huge help for us. Yeah, and if you're just listening to us on podcast form, please come check us out on YouTube. I think it's the optimal way to experience the show because you can read the comic along with us as we comment on uh, Luke's suddenly emerging and disappearing ponytail, Leia's increasingly large hair buns, and the uh, ridiculous 70s art that we have been having to commentate on. Absolutely. So check all that out. Uh, but uh, I think that's going to wrap things up this week, Ergoni. Yes, indeed, because as always, I have been Mike Gergoni. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you. Oh.